Um, interview of the week. And no, this is not Dave Palmer. It's Diane Xavier, production manager for the station, filling in for Dave Palmer. Today, I have three very special guests who are going to promote something that is very important to our faith, and that is priesthood and seminary life. It is the 19th annual Spes Greggie's Holy Trinity Seminary Benefit Dinner taking place at the end of the month on Friday, October 28th at the Cardinal Farrell Student Center. Joining me are seminarians, Mark Williard of the Diocese of Dallas. He is a second-year pre-theologian. And also joining me is John Ungarino from the Diocese of Austin, a first-year pre-theologian. And also John Paul Elwanger from the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston. And he is a sophomore. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Now, tell me, each one of you, about your journey to the seminary life and why you chose that and why you think God is calling you to a life as a priest. Mark, I'll start with you. You are from the Diocese of Dallas, studying in your second year. Tell me about yourself. Yes, that's right. So I came a little bit later to seminary, which is uh, the term pre-theologian essentially just means that we went to college before, got a college degree. So I went to Baylor um, I studied accounting and worked in accounting for a few years. Um, for me, I kind of felt a few inklings of a call, but never really took it very seriously. And then the the kind of catalyst for me was actually COVID. Um, during you know all the stress that happened for everyone during that year, um, I was not immune to kind of the mental strain that that year brought on for a lot of people. And for me, it kind of manifested itself in a little bit of a kind of a crossroads of, okay, well, what do I actually want to do with my life? Um, working from home uh, and accounting was getting really stressful and putting me in a, a place to kind of just really put it all on the Lord and really just put all my trust in Him. And the more that I did that, the more seminary kind of felt like the right answer of, of what to do with my life. And so it's it's kind of a beautiful way of, of getting to see God bring about uh, great good um, in spite of letting me kind of fall into this, this deep uh, mental strain of, of that year. And you entered seminary at Holy Trinity last year? Yes, that's correct. August uh, 2021. Wow, congratulations. And Thank you. I know you'll do a great job as a seminarian. John, tell me about yourself. Uh, you are from the studying from the Diocese of Austin at Holy Trinity Seminary? Yes, ma'am, that's right. So uh, like Mark, I graduated college, and like Mark, I went to Baylor um, a few years after Mark. So I grew up in New Orleans originally and uh, was blessed to receive a really great Catholic formation, um, a very devout Catholic family. Um, and so growing up, uh, the idea of the priesthood was always a consideration, but a very scary thought for me. Never never was it something that I was comfortable with, with thinking about. Why was about. it scary? <laughs> what made it, I do, There's a lot of misconceptions out there about right. what seminary life really is or what a priest is you know, handles. So why, why, why was it scared for you at first? Sure. So, so, um, I, I was surrounded by a lot of really great priests who, uh, I knew lived radical lives different from, uh, the lives of everyone else. Um, they had a kind of authority to them. Um, but I knew the sacrifices of, of the priesthood as well, not only celibacy, mainly celibacy, but, um, but also just this total giving of oneself in, in ministry, one's whole life, um, for the for the church and for the the people of God, um, and so uh, I saw it kind of as maybe I'm called towards that, but I I really hope not <laughs> because that sounds really difficult. Um, and yeah, more of a a like 
a duty that I was potentially scared of. Um, and, and not until I would say midway through my, my uh, college career, I, I think sophomore year of college was when I started taking this call a little bit more seriously. I was very involved at St. Peter Catholic Student Center, which is the campus ministry there in Waco at Baylor. And um, my, my um, warming up to the idea of the priesthood largely came about through uh, serving in ministry at St. Peter's and realizing that I really wanted to spend all my time there um, with the Catholic community that I had there and helping out, um, helping out in whatever ways to bring more people into that Catholic community and bring more people into the richness of the faith and, and find the fulfillment that I was finding there. Um, and so as I progressed through college, uh, considering what I wanted to do after college, this idea of um, wanting to continue this fulfillment that I had been finding at St. Peter's was very prominent in my mind. Um, so after graduation, I spent a year working as the campus minister at St. Peter's in, in Waco, um, really with the expectation of entering religious formation in some kind of way after that year. And that's exactly what I did uh, about February of this year, um, of 2022. I finally made the decision to enter diocesan seminary um, really to continue the um, the type of work, the type of life that I had been living the last the, the last year especially, but also the last few years at St. Peter's because I uh, had found such fulfillment in that um, and God has blessed me in so many ways uh, through that kind of that li- that lifestyle and that work. So there was nothing really I wanted to do more than than just continue that and be better formed to eventually take that on in the priesthood. What a beautiful story. And finally, John Paul with the Galveston-Houston Archdiocese. You are a sophomore. Tell me your journey. Yeah, so obviously my journey looks a little bit different than the other two guys here with me. Um, I, I came straight out of high school. So growing up, I, was, I grew up homeschooled um, in a pretty large family. Um, I have four siblings. There's always like the faith uh, in the family. There's always... That was kind of the standard to go to Sunday Mass, to you know pray as a family every, every once in a while and things like that. But the idea of seminary or the priesthood really never was on my mind. Uh, I tell people I lived a, uh, a distracted lifestyle um, up and through high school because I was so involved with um, athletics especially, um, but also academics as well. Um, it was stressed heavily um, that we, you know, pursue both athletics and academics to the best of our abilities. Um, and so it was just the expectation to be, you know, great. Uh, and so that was kind of all that I I worried about, I guess, growing up. And so that is what kind of distracted me, I think, from the, the call, um, because I didn't really feel called until... Um, COVID year, mm-hmm. um, when COVID hit, uh, I, uh, I just had a lot of time on my hands. Um, all these distractions, all the sports I played in high school, all the extracurriculars I was involved in were all kind of put aside um, and delayed because of, because of the uh, shutdown. And so I used that time for prayer. And, and through that prayer, through you know speaking to the Lord, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening, um, saying that prayer over and over again and, and sitting in the silence that I could, my future became clear and clear. 
and God was pointing me to a, to a future that I had no no idea that would ever happen to me. I had no idea that my future could possibly be the priesthood. Uh, I didn't think myself worthy of that call at that time, so it was very, very odd and very similar to John. It was almost a little scary at first, like, what mm-hmm. do I do with this? So going into senior year after that, after that spring semester and summer, uh, I decided to, you know, I need to talk to someone about this. So I started talking to a few priests, um, getting some of these big questions I had in my mind, like, what is the priesthood? Like, how do I discern this um, effectively and appropriately? And so all of these questions really helped getting answers to. And I received a lot of affirmation and that discernment. And I, was able, I, was got, I got a lot of helpful tips with my spirituality and Throughout that that senior year, the call just became clear and clear. Um, that voice in my head that was saying, "You know, I think this is what I need you to do um, is to go to seminary." That became just more of a possibility and and one that I was more comfortable with, especially. Yeah, that's kind of my story. Kind of transitioning from you know a lifestyle full of really athletics and you know those things that all teenagers love to something deeper, um, mm-hmm. something more intimate. Because I think especially that that's what I was missing in my life was something more intimate. And I found that in this calling to the priesthood. Another beautiful story. Before we return to your story, I want to let everybody know that this is the KTH 910 AM interview of the week. And this is Diane Xavier. And today the topic is the 19th Annual Spes Gregi's Holy Trinity Seminary Benefit Dinner that supports seminarians at Holy Trinity Seminary. It's going to take place Friday, October 28th at the Cardinal Farrell Student Center. Gentlemen, tell me more about this dinner. What is its purpose and why is it important that the community at large support this event? Yeah, so um, this is our our biggest fundraising event of the year. Uh, It covers about 25% of the seminary's budget. Um, at the seminary, uh, we're incredibly blessed by the people of God in so many ways. Um, oftentimes I find myself overwhelmed in prayer, just kind of feeling all of the, the prayers that I know are going on for me and for my brothers specifically. And so that kind of support is completely, um, integral to life at seminary. Um, but a lot of times that support also is much more practical and much more tangible in that. You know, there's a building that needs upkeep. We have classes, we have expenses, food, um, just kind of the general things. And so there's kind of a, a very foundational support that takes place as well. And so this event helps uh, cover a lot of that. Um, it's, uh, yeah, about 25% of the seminary's budget for the year is typically made up at this dinner. Um, and in addition, it's also just a great way for us as seminarians to interact with a lot of our benefactors. Uh, a lot of times we're we're aware of them. We know some names, we might uh, get to see them a few times, but it's a really great face um, interaction with uh, with our benefactors to really just build that relationship and get to know the people of God and to know who is supporting us and to just, yeah, really grow those uh, beautiful relationships. And I understand that Bishop Daniel Flores, he's a graduate of Holy Trinity Seminary, is going to be the keynote speaker. Have any of y'all met uh, Bishop Flores? I have not. No. I have not either. He, his, uh, as he is a graduate of, of HTS, we have a few uh, walls in our main hallway with mm-hmm. pictures of all the former graduates, and then we have one hallway that's 
uh, former graduates who are now bishops. So he's on he's on both hallways. So we've seen his picture a lot, yes. but never never met him. Yeah, he's very popular in Texas, and he is actually the bishop of Brownsville and is right. in uh, uh, is an alumni of Holy Trinity Seminary from nineteen. 19- 87. Now, you said there's a lot of uh, cost with funding a seminary's education and the Holy Trinity Seminary itself. What are some things that the general public may not be aware of that um, that the seminary needs help with financially? Sure. So, so some of the main things, I think. So we all t- are full-time students at University of Dallas, and obviously that's, that's quite, a bit of, uh, quite a big expense right there. Um, many of us doing four years, like a, ba- a full bachelor's degree, and then and then the ones that have already graduated from college doing two years. Um, so that's definitely a, a large chunk of of uh, the expense. And then other things around the seminary um, are you know pull, paying a full time staff to to help us out, a director of pastoral formation, the the, the priests that are there, our formators, our um, our director, our, our administrators, things like that. Um, and then, and then food <laughs> is a big one as well. Uh, three meals a day. We, we're very blessed with a lot of, uh, really great food. And, and like Mark said, it sometimes is overwhelming, uh, trying to acknowledge how blessed we are because it's, it's, it's so constant. Um, but, um, yeah, those are, those are different examples. And then, um, and then diff- different resources every once in a while will, um, will be, uh, given you know there are some books or things like that, uh, some formational materials, um, general upkeep of the house. Um, we have two two main buildings: the the Cardinal Farrell Student Center, which is where this benefit's going to be taking place, just went up two years ago, um, and it is a really beautiful building. Um, very blessed by it, but it does require quite a bit of upkeep, general maintenance, things like that, which we uh, try to. Mm-hmm. Um, we try to do our part in, in, in taking care of the, the bulk of that, but, um, other bigger issues that we cannot cover, um, definitely those need to, we, we, uh, are very appreciative of the support to, to help cover those kind of things. And the theme of the dinner is called answer the call. Why did y'all chose that theme or why do you think it's important to answer the call? Yeah. So this year, our, our whole focus is on the spirituality of the seminary, um, and so I think by choosing the you know the topic answer the call, it really focuses on how each one of us individually has you know answered the call in in some little way, uh, and and it focuses on not only where we've came from but how we grow um, within the seminary, and I think a lot of people you know don't know exactly how. The prayer life of a seminarian goes, or you know, the communal aspect of that, uh, the communal prayer, the the community, how that affects also the uh, the spirituality of the seminary. So all of these little aspects kind of tie in together to form the the spiritual side um, of the seminarian uh, and future priest, and the prayer the. Spiritual life of a seminarian is so important because if a seminarian doesn't have a good spiritual life now, then as a priest, there won't be a spiritual mm-hmm. life. Um, and we all know that that should be like the primary goal is to have a very good foundation in that. Uh, so, yeah, I think that is the, the reason for that. Yeah. And then where can people purchase tickets 
for the event? Uh, okay. HolyTrinitySeminary.org. You can donate and find sponsorship opportunities there. Um, I think it, it should have more information about what that looks like on there, so that should make things uh, pretty easy. Yes, I, I remember attending one of the Holy Trinity Seminary uh, benefit dinners. I remember walking. It was at the Hilton Inn in Toll at the time, and Cardinal Farrell was our bishop. Well, back then was Bishop Farrell. I remember walking in and like, all these seminarians were just so <laughs> hospitable and so sweet. And I've never, like, you go to all these events, I'm like, these are the kindest people, the seminarians. They just have that beautiful spirituality about them and that Christ-like behavior. So I'm like, wow, people should attend. And it's at, actually not at a hotel, but at the Cardinal Farrell Student Center, which is, what, two years old and is located on the seminary grounds. That's right. The quality of men uh, at seminary is something that I was not prepared for when I entered. Is just to realize how great of brothers I have here at the seminary. Yeah, I've just been overwhelmed kind of by how how nice the building is. And so definitely uh, when the benefactors come for first res graduates, we love kind of getting them, letting them into our world and getting to a chance to show them what we get to experience because of their generosity. And will there be any special performances by the seminarians at the benefit dinner? There, uh, there will be a uh, a scola, uh, and so a, a singing uh, musical part uh, that will probably intro uh, the night. Um, we're we're working out some of the details of it. It'll likely be all of the seminarians uh, participating, and so the, we we hope to put on a good treat for our guests in that regard. And for those families where their children are considering the priesthood, are curious about about it. Why would you encourage the parents to explore seminary life or possibly a call to the priesthood? Yeah, so, so I mean, I, I think back of before I entered seminary, uh, it was very hard to get an idea of what that kind of lifestyle looked like. Um, it was very abstract to me until I, I, I went on a come and see last year and I actually saw firsthand what even even looking around at the physical environment that can give you kind of a better picture of what that might look like and, and make it a little bit more concrete in your mind rather than just having this kind of like scary abstract thought of like, ooh, the priesthood, just this mysterious little world. Um, but seeing it firsthand, uh, meeting seminarians, I think, is a, is a huge thing. You realize that they're just <laughs> humans just like everyone else. <laughs> um, and, uh, and yeah, seeing the, the rooms that they spend their time in, um, the different books that are on the bookshelves that they're exposed to and, um, and just that, yeah, that community that we share in, it, it can make it a lot more um, like kind of tangible of a reality that, that we can um, then, uh, or that, that someone who has not been exposed to it can, can discern a little bit more properly, or at least communicate to others a little bit more um, proper, properly in a more realistic way, um, so that it becomes, um, yeah, a little bit more of a uh, possibility, something that you can envision for yourself or others and things like that. Once again, I'm interviewing three seminarians from Holy Trinity Seminary for the 19th Annual Spes Greggies Holy Trinity Seminary Benefit Dinner taking place Friday, October 28th at the Cardinal Farrell Student Center with guest speaker and keynote speaker Bishop Daniel Flores from the Diocese of Brownsville. He is an HTS alumni of 1987. I know he's one of the very popular Catholic bishops in the state of Texas. I think he served in the 
uh, Archdiocese of Detroit before he got transferred to Brownsville. So come out and support the seminarians and be sure to purchase your tickets at HolyTrinitySeminary.org. That's HolyTrinitySeminary.org. How can people show their support if they're not able to attend? And even if they do attend, will they be raffle prizes and other things they can do to help support the event? Yeah, so as John was mentioning on our website, if you go to HolyTrinitySeminary.org, um, there are plenty of sponsorship opportunities on there outside of just the Spes Gregis event. Um, we also have a Facebook page and an Instagram and a YouTube channel, so you can keep up to date with our events on there. We're pretty regular at posting on it. Um, and then outside of... Um, you know, financial support, um, just coming to visit us when we have open masses and then especially just in prayer. I think that's the biggest thing. That's really the primary way to support seminarians. And I know Bishop Burns will be there. Bishop Daniel Flores, are any other surprising visits from other bishops uh, that you'll know of? Um, well, Bishop Kelly, the auxiliary bishop for the Diocese yes. of Dallas, will be there as well. Um, I think that's all, though. And once again, tickets can be purchased and also sponsorships. Don't forget sponsorships because they uh, that really helps also the benefit uh, dinner. HolyTrinitySeminary.org. And one last question for each uh, one of you. I know people are like, oh, there's a shortage in the priesthood. But for some reason, Holy Trinity Seminary seems to always get filled up. Why do you think that is? And why do you encourage other young men to consider... Uh, just checking it out and give it a chance, if, um, even despite their myths about it. Yeah. Um, well, to be honest, there's still a whole lot more room at Holy Trinity Seminary. <laughs> oh, okay. We're always looking for more for for more vocations uh, to the priesthood. Uh, yes, I mean it is true that you know in today's age, um, you know the priesthood doesn't look too attracting uh, to a lot of uh, y- young men, especially. So it it uh, just because of the you know. Whether it's this, the social media or, you know, all these, you know, comments they get um, from the, you know, the uh, uh, the world around them. Uh, so, yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of lot more room, a lot more, uh, you know, uh, fully furnished, you know, <laughs> HTS rooms that are ready for uh, uh, a man to, you know, say yes and to, to live in there. Uh, but. I know one of the uh, you know attracting parts, and maybe John can say a little bit about this. You know, when when a guy first comes to you know see Holy Trinity Seminary, and at least for me, when I came on my my come and see, uh, you know, a couple years ago, I was like, I immediately felt like this is home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's something about Holy Trinity Seminary where, you know, wh- wherever you come from, you know, whatever your background may be, um, there's something about Holy Trinity Seminary where it's like. It immediately, you know, brought me to home. Like, brought me to say, like, this could be my home, and you know, now it is. Uh, so it's definitely there's something, you know, maybe in the air that uh, that helps, you know, helps one to, you know, find find their way um, to discern uh, in a healthy environment. So, yeah, totally. I can definitely attest to that. I've been there, I think, six or seven weeks now, and. Um, Definitely had that experience that John Paul you're talking about with entering in, and I, I think one of the one of the uh, kind of key factors that contributes to that is um, the emphasis that that we have at HTS on communal living and and that fraternity. Um, it was so immediately recognizable. You walk in, and and I think one of the biggest things for me was I I started observing the guys who had been there for one or two or three years. 
and just realize like these guys are best friends and they're so close and they know each other so well, which is like, it, it seems obvious because they've been living with each other. But, um, and until you see it firsthand, it's hard to wrap your head around like how close the, these, these guys can get. Um, and when you're all aiming towards the same goal that is priesthood, um, you know, that, that bond is, is so strong and is continued, uh, and continues to be, to be forged every day when you, you know, wake up early in the morning for morning prayer and things like that, when you're eating every meal together, things like that. I think another thing uh, about your question as to, you know, why some people might, um, why, uh, why there is, um, kind of a vocations crisis in the church today, which I definitely think that there is, um, I think one of the key contributions to that is uh, the idea of the priesthood as a, only for a very select uh, group of people, um, and then even also of well, which it is. You know, you, you have to have a calling. But I think the idea, the the idea of priesthood and the idea of seminary definitely needs to be kept uh, distinguished between each other. Entering the seminary is not at all entering the priesthood, and I think mm-hmm. I, I definitely suffered from from that. Uh, conflation. I think many many other people do, where it's like, oh no, I'm I'm definitely not going to enter seminary. I can't live as a priest. It's like, well, if you if you have an inclination that you might have a calling, the seminary is to discern. It is it is putting yourself in the best place to discern that call. Um, it's very difficult to uh, discern a call to the priesthood when you're living in the world, working a job or, or full time in school or something like that. Seminary is a place to discern, and it is not entering the priesthood itself. Um, so I would just encourage um, parents and and kids to to recognize that that seminary is is uh, very very far from entering the priesthood itself, but rather putting yourself in the position to best discern if God might be calling you to that, and opening yourself up to to that calling itself. Well, thank you, and once again. The Holy Trinity Seminary Benefit Dinner will take place at the end of this month, Friday, October 28th, at the Cardinal Farrell Student Center. It's the 19th annual one, and they need your support to help grow the priesthood. And you can do that by supporting Holy Trinity Seminary at their dinner. Please visit HolyTrinitySeminary.org to purchase your tickets, donate, or become a sponsor. Thank you, uh, men, for visiting us in the studio today. God bless you, and good luck to you uh, with the rest of your seminary formation. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. This has been the KTH 910 AM Interview of the Week. I'm Diane Xavier filling in for Dave Palmer. God bless you, and have a wonderful, blessed weekend. Hello, thanks for joining us on this interview of the week here on KTH 910 AM. I'm Dave Palmer, Executive Director at the station here. Diane Xavier is running the board. And, uh, you know, we always like to celebrate good news happening in the local Catholic world. And this is definitely going to be an opportunity to do that because uh, we have a school in the Fort Worth Diocese called St. John the Apostle Catholic School in North Richland Hills that has been recognized by the Department of Education of the United States as a blue ribbon school. 
And you might think, oh, okay, that's nice. But uh, <laughs> you, when, you, when you hear about what it means and how rare that is, you'll uh, recognize what a great honor it is. I'm delighted to have in studio with me the principal of St. John the Apostle Catholic School, Mrs. Amy Felton. And I also want to thank Tony Kelly, and she because she's the one that initially emailed me. I, I had heard of this already, but she emailed and said, hey, did you hear about this? Maybe we can do an interview. And that's what we're doing. Tony is the admissions and advancement director at St. John the Apostle Catholic School. She is here as well. I think she's doing a Facebook Live as we speak at the moment. So, uh, Mrs. Amy Felton, first of all, congratulations, and thank you for taking some time to be with us today. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, it must be exciting times at uh, the school right now. Uh, I was talking to you and Tony a little bit before the interview, and this is a very, very rare distinction among schools. From what I understand, only 24 private schools in the whole country get this. Uh, I was All Saints in Dallas is how great that two in the Metroplex get it, but only 24 in the whole country and only 273 public schools in the whole country. So tell us exactly what this means, you know, as far as the the distinction. I think the biggest thing it means to um, the Diocese of Fort Worth and St. John the Apostle is that my teachers um, and faculty and staff and students and parents demonstrate the high academics that we have, but also integrating that within God's love. Um, it's really hard. You have to have an 86 or higher combined score for third through eighth grade in reading and math when they take their standardized tests. Um, you have to show diversity, which St. John's has so much diversity. I think we have seven different cultures, which is amazing, and we celebrate them all. We also have, we had an increase in enrollment, um, last year and this year. And we're very thankful for that because we get to educate more of God's children. But all of that coming together, it takes a year to apply for this and go through the steps. And it was the dedication of the faculty and staff working together to get that application in and get that award. Now, is the application after you already know that you've hit that 86 uh, milestone? So you, you already know that's the case, and then you begin the application process, is that right? Yes, so we have to wait until we get our test scores. Um, after we get our test scores, then we apply, and then if you get accepted, they send you an application in November, you turn it in in January, and then you wait until March. Mm. If in March you find out, hey, you're going to move on to the next round, or I'm sorry, you're not going to move on, move on. Mm-hmm. Um, all the questions are essay questions, um, and you're trying to expose the U.S. government to how great your school is and what we do to help every child on campus learn. Yes, and you can only uh, receive this award, I think you told me, every eight years. Every eight years. Right, so now, obviously, for the next seven years, you're not even going to need to apply because you, you, you will be recognized as a Blue Ribbon School for eight mm-hmm. years straight? Yes, and this is our second one, which is even more unique. So we received it with Dr. Cummins in 2008, and now we're receiving it again in 2022. But that doesn't mean our standards are going to go down. Mm-hmm. Our teachers already know what we want to work on and move forward and help our students grow. With changing um, cultures and environment, it's harder. And so we have to have more parent involvement, and the teachers do a great job of educating them 
but we can't lower our standards. Mm-hmm. And if you were to point to something at the school, I know you've, you love to brag about the faculty and the teachers. Uh, would it be the, the, the people you hire or the way they're trained or the way they mm-hmm. teach? Or how, how, what would you say as far as getting the academics to such a high level? What do you attribute that to? I think the first thing is, is um, Bishop Olson's vision of classical education. Um, and then Mr. Smith, my superintendent, and and then of course Father Jack. We follow Bishop's guidelines in classical education and how the students learn with rigor, um, grammar, phonics, math facts, cursive writing, um, you know, annotating, um, research writing. And this starts in pre-K. This doesn't wait until middle school. So by the time they get to middle school, they're already doing high school classes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I jumped into it so quickly because I was so excited to congratulate you. I just want to give uh, folks a little bit more information. St. John the Apostle Catholic School, as I mentioned, North Richland Hills, 7421 Glenview Drive. Their website, stjs.org, stjs.org, Catholic Education in the Classical Tradition. And I love the, the tagline, Preparing Minds for a Lifetime and Souls for Eternal Life. You mentioned about the classical education. What, what exactly does that mean? When I think of classical, I think of uh, maybe all, almost like, I don't know, you, you explain that. What, what, what does, what's a classical education? So classical education um, for our school at St. John the Apostle is going back to traditional Catholic education. Mm-hmm. We do not use technology. They take t- Cornell notes. Um, they annotate. They work out all their math problems. Um, this isn't anything with technology. We are traditional. They carry their own books. They take their own notes and they take hard tests mm-hmm. and they have homework every night. And this has been the same at St. John's for 20 years. And we just keep adding the rigor to it because the kids get smarter every year. Yeah. Yeah. So it is challenging. It's, it's very uh, challenging. Do the, do the children respond well to that? Cause everybody likes to be challenged. Nobody wants anything to be too easy. Oh yes, they respond. But the one thing that's really great about our school, um, we have a great discipline program, so we really don't have any discipline problems. Um, so the kids are getting 45 minutes for each class of learning. Mm hmm. And the teachers have that time to work one-on-one with the students, work in a group. But that allows them to have great teaching. And we also have a huge library that is kept updated. And we do have computer, but it's only to learn skills and safety. Mm -hmm. And they only go once a week. Yeah, I love that. I, th- I think I, that probably a lot of parents are appreciative of that as well. Mm-hmm. We're in so, such a hyper-technological culture right now. So what does this mean for you? I know you told me that you and Tony are going to be traveling to, to Washington to receive the award. So what, what will the next couple of months look like for you guys? Um, well, we're really busy, but we love it. Um, we want to have a celebration with all of our alumni, with our parents, with our students when we receive the award and come back. We want to celebrate this. Um, we want to celebrate our faculty. The faculty who have ever worked at St. John's, 57 years, the foundation of that school was built on holy ground, and it is a great school that I got to take the last 10 years and put it the pieces all in the right order to make it successful. And I'm very blessed that I'm a part of it. Um, and it takes all of us working as a family 
to make it successful. And what's even better, the parents are the best volunteers I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Anything we need, they are there to help us. How, how did you find out? Was it in a letter, a call, and what was your first reaction? Um, we re- I received an email two Fridays ago. And okay. um, when I got the email and I saw it, and then I saw there was only 24 schools, yeah. uh, I got really emotional. Um, this is a long time coming for the school, not for me, for Father Jack and Bishop Olson. Um then we went to the gym and we had glitter and we threw it up in the air and celebrated with the kids. Not it's the same day. Did you? The you, same day. Oh, we, yeah, we called all the kids to okay. the gym and we videotaped it and the teachers and the students celebrated and the nurse got upset because they got glitter in their eye, but everybody lived and it was great. <laughs> um, but the Nothing parents they can't wash out. Yeah, that's right. The parents were ecstatic too yeah. it was a great feeling yeah I, I bet so that is so exciting uh talking to mrs amy felton she's the principal of saint john the apostle catholic school in north richland hills in the fourth diocese stjs.org is their website they have been recognized by the united states department of education as uh, one of only 24 private schools in the whole land uh, that got a blue ribbon school distinction and uh, Catholic education in the classical tradition is uh, what they are. And mm-hmm. uh, you I- implemented uh, what's called outdoor learning mm-hmm. for St. John the Apostle. Tell us about that and how, why is that advantageous? Um, I grew up on a ranch in Oklahoma, and I learned some great values about um, how we respect the land and God's creation. And I learned great work ethic. And so... Um, it started out with working with Mrs. Rupel saying, I want some gardens, to uh, getting a chicken coop, to now having chickens and goats. And now we have show goats on campus for 4-H, um, and all students can be in 4-H. Um, it was Father Jack who came up with the idea of maybe we have enough chickens, we can give eggs to out- outreach. So last week we gave three dozen eggs to outreach that helps our community and how how do the children interact with the the animals? How do they you know, get get their hands dirty and yeah you know actually yes. tangible experience they, of the outdoor world? They get to pet and play with the goats, um, but they also get to hold the chickens. Those chickens are so spoiled; they will set and just let the kids pet them mm-hmm. or carry them around. Um, but my the gardens are probably my favorite. Um, because the students, like the other day, I just saw pictures on Facebook that Tony had posted. The kindergartners had shovels. And how many people give shovels to kindergartners? Little shovels. And they were out planting in the garden, Mm. our fall items. And they're just so happy. And then in the summer, some of these kids start their own gardens after a year of working. And so, like, we're getting ready to plant carrots, and then the kids will eat the carrots. So they learn that this is where things come from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Food doesn't come just from grocery stores. It actually has to be cultivated, yes, right? Yes, yes. And uh, the uh, it's also, I thought, was interesting, and I forget the name you had for it, is that the classrooms actually go to the outdoors. There aren't, like, internal hallways. Right. So we're in, in, we were built in 1965 and the classrooms open to the outside. Um, So when the students switch classes, they are always outside. Um, We just 
parents graciously just donated picnic tables that we're having put together so the kids can go outside and learn on picnic tables mm. when it's cooler outside. And the, it's a great environment. And when parents come, they worry, what about the safety? I'm very blessed that I work with the NRH police department and they actually practice on campus. Um, it's really hard to get over a 10 foot fence with spikes on top. So yeah, we, they've tried it all and our teachers take safety seriously and our parents are, are happy that NRH police are right next door and that they practice on campus. Yes. And another thing I know is highlighted in the website, and you've mentioned before we started that this is very important, is the aspect of service. Uh, the students mm-hmm. all you know, are involved in service projects? Yes. Every class each month, one class a month, goes to Ashwood Assisted Living, and they visit with the the people that live there, um, sing to them, bring them pictures, read to them. Um, they also go to our outreach center that is on campus, and they um, stack pantry items once a week. Um, we give them vegetables from the garden, and we also give them eggs weekly. Um, and if out and every Wednesday when they attend mass, they bring food for the food pantry. Mm. All the kids do, so it helps our community. Yeah, and with the blue ribbon distinction, uh, have you already seen you know more inquiries or people mm-hmm. calling? Hey, I want to you know enroll for next fall or the spring. Do you expect a bump in enrollment? Yeah, we're really hoping to add to our St. John's family, and right now we have free enrollment because we are celebrating um, National Blue Ribbon. So if you're interested, free enrollment, free enrollment for your kids, and um, if you're interested. Um, call the school office. Tony or I can help you. Um, but we last week we received like four or five inquiries, and they all came, and they're all excited to come to St. John's. So anybody who's interested, let us know. We do have room. We have openings available. Okay. Now is that free tuition or okay? It's not free tuition. It's free enrollment. Okay. Yes. So the okay, I was like, wow. And <laughs> if I, it's free tuition, you guys are going to get yeah. No. Um, okay, I got you. <laughs> but there is. Don't worry about tuition because we do have scholarships. Yeah. Okay. All right. And uh, Mrs. Amy Felton is our guest, uh, the principal of St. John the Apostle Catholic School, recently recognized by the U.S. Department of Education as a blue ribbon school, one of only 24 private schools in the entire land uh, with this distinction. So very, very big uh, award for this school. STJS.org is the website, STJS.org. One thing uh, I'm guessing they probably didn't you know, look at is the Catholic identity for this particular distinction. Mm -hmm. But I know this is something that most parents are concerned about and interested in. How is St. John's distinctly Catholic? Um, well, first off, when you walk on campus, you can feel it, mm-hmm. um, the love that God has created. But we have students every day, somebody, somebody's class is saying the rosary. Um, the students go to adoration on Thursday, and that is preschool through eighth grade. They sign up for times to go. Um, they have mass. Um, you know, we have first Friday at mass. We have weekly mass. We have holy day masses. Um, and we do a living rosary once a month. Um, we have a class that does that. Prayer is said before every class. Um, and we say community prayer three times a day. They also are able to have confessions four times a year. The priests come over and 
they have confessions on campus. Mm -hmm. So uh, the students are um, immersed in God's faith. And when they're immersed in God's faith, their behavior and their work ethic change because they're happy and they're safe. Mm, yeah, exactly. What about outside of the the regular curriculum, the extracurriculars, the clubs, the uh how, how what kind of opportunities are there for the kids there? Wow, we have swimming, football, basketball, volleyball, soccer, softball, baseball. We have and that is 5th through 8th grade. We have a running club for first through eighth grade, and we have 4-H, which is um, first through eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And last year we had 24 entries to the fair, and we have this year students showing rabbits, um, goats, and writing papers and doing art and jewelry. So it's whatever is the interest of the child. Yeah, you you mentioned about the big celebration and the glitter mm-hmm. and the the gym and all that. Uh, how, how did the students respond to this? Other than you know that celebration, do, do you do you sense that they're really proud of this achievement, like you are? Well, I'm really proud of our eighth grade. They're they're one of the best classes I've ever had, and they really understood it because they were here for the last one. Mm-hmm. They were babies, but they were here. And they were really excited. Our preschoolers weren't sure. They were just excited because they got glitter on them. (laughs) But I think all the kids recognize how great it is. And uh, they have not stopped working hard. Yes. And you mentioned there's going to be a celebration. You're going to invite some of the alumni Mm -hmm. back. Uh, Is that set in stone or is that still in the in the works or what what else are it, you going to do to celebrate it's going to happen i'm hoping we can do it during catholic schools week is my goal um but you know we're just at the beginning of it and so hopefully soon we'll be rolling out something to send out to alumni so they can book their flights and come and visit and spend an evening with us mm-hmm. and seeing a new campus yeah i think you mentioned uh, before we started that the the principal of all saints the other blue ribbon is actually going to come visit are you going to reciprocate and are y'all what, what, so what is, yeah. the principal shauna and i are, are good friends we applied together um and so we got blue ribbon together and she came this week to do our accreditation for TCCBED. Okay. And so it was nice having her there. Um, she's a great person, has an excellent school. And we have the same values in Catholic identity and learning. So it was nice to have her on campus and reinforce that. And has there been calls from any other principals or any kind of mentorship uh, that you might be expected to do now that you guys have received this or anybody saying hey what's what's the what's the secret what would you guys do they can call me anytime i will walk them through it the good the bad and the ugly um but not yet and i hope they do anybody can call me i'm very helpful yeah so and yeah. then as far as prospective students, you mentioned about the four just last mm-hmm. week that you uh, that came in and visited. Uh, you know, we're in the about the middle of the fall semester now. Uh, if somebody's interested in spring or next fall, what's the first step? What should they do? Can they come and get a tour or, or what, what's the procedure? Um, so you can get on our website and do an inquiry. Antonio will call you or you can call the office. Um, 
the sooner you get your child in, the better, because our academics never stop, and I never want a child to be behind. We are two years ahead of public schools. Mm -hmm. So um, don't be shocked when you see that our second graders are writing three-paragraph papers um, and writing in cursive. So, um, but God allows every child to attend, and so we want to educate every child. Yes, yeah. And you go through eighth grade. Do most of your uh, graduates uh, go off to uh, the, the local Catholic schools, or mm-hmm. where, where do most of them end up? Um, they either go to Nolan or uh, Casada or Cristo Rey. Um, and then some go to public school. Uh huh. Yeah, very good. Any of them switch over to the Dallas Diocese, Jesuit, or Ursuline, or any of them? Um, or- I do. I have a um, Cistercian. And yeah. a family that their son goes to Cistercian. I have two of them. And one one of the girls goes to Ursuline. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Catholic radio for your soul. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone.